1 Corinthians 15 as we get started and continue and wrap up what I wanted to finish this uh, little brief seminar that we do about every three, four years, and it's how to deal with crises and especially with death and dying, and it's not a, it's not a pleasant topic. I understand that. It's not a fun topic, but you're going to have to deal with it. And so what we, um, we want to remind you of, and today I'm going to be extremely practical on funerals, different things of that sort. Um, let me remind you of these simple truths. None of these are in your notes, but let me remind you. We will all have to deal with death in, in our our families, dealing with a loved one. Some of them may be much closer. It could be a spouse, parent, could be a child, but we're going to have to deal with it because death is a part of life. It is appointed unto man once to die. And how many people die? Everyone. The only, there's only been a, a very, very limited exception in all of mankind. The, we only have Elijah that went to heaven uh, and Enoch that went to heaven, he was not. Everybody else in the human race has had to go through the experience. And so uh, dealing with it, we want to keep in mind that God says the death of his saints, the home going, it's precious in his sight. And even though it hurts us, in the mind of God, this is a time for reunion for that individual who has never seen God before or Jesus Christ for us. We get to heaven, we get to see him. And so that's a preciousness of, of what happens. Knowing we will live with Christ gives us hope to deal with even the most difficult situation going through death, knowing that we're going to be reunited. We're going to be with Christ, be in heaven, gives us hope. But in that Philippians 1 passage, it is so important that we catch this and not create um, some false guilts. He is talking to Philippians 1 and he makes this comment. He says, for me to live is, to die is, okay, and he goes, but if I labor in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I'm not sure. For I am in a strait betwixt two things, having a desire, literally having a craving. It's very strong. I have a craving to depart and to be with Christ. Do you relate to that? That you would really like to get to heaven and just be done with this world? Does anybody feel that way? Okay. I would like that except for the thing that I want is... I want all my family and loved ones to go into heaven at the same time. And so he says, I am in this strait or this, this conflict between two things. I have a craving to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. You can relate to that, can't you? We want to go to heaven, but at the same time, we want to be with our loved ones. We want to help them. We want to deal with them. We want to raise the kids. We want to see those experiences. So with that in mind, it is not wrong or unspiritual to want to live longer with loved ones here on earth. It's not ungodly. Okay? To, to don't, don't rebuke people and say, you should want to die and go to heaven. Okay? We have that desire, but we also have a desire to be here. God can use death to make a great impact on people. And the illustration I wanted to use here was the thief on the cross. He is a tremendous testimony, is he not? The thief on the cross. What can you tell people about him as a testimony, as a witness to unsaved people? He got saved at the, at the, last, at the very end, and he's saved. Anything else that comes to your mind? You don't have to be baptized. I use him as an illustration all the time. You don't have to be baptized. Anything else strikes you? God can forgive anything, those types of things. There's another text that I want to explain quickly. 1 Corinthians 15. Jump into that text. Look what's happening. This is the resurrection passage. This passage is interpreted by different groups different ways. It says, as he's going on, when all things, I'm in verse 28, shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Now you know how some churches have interpreted this. Yes? How have the Mormons interpreted this? Yeah. You can get baptized in place of your ancestor. And part of that, and that baptism will help provide your ancestor grace and the possibility of salvation. So if there's one group in America that is really big on genealogies, the Mormon church has a phenomenal, phenomenal genealogical record. 
uh, and system of doing it. But it's motivated by this verse. It's the idea you are baptized, getting baptized as proxy for the dead people. I don't understand that passage to teach that at all. The for is the idea because of. Okay, which we do, we say this all the time, wanted for murder, wanted for a crime. We don't want them to do it. We're not hiring a hitman, but they're wanted because they've committed something, they've done something. And so here's the because of in this text, else what shall they do who are baptized because of the dead? What does he mean by that? Have, have you ever known people who go to a funeral, they hear the gospel and they hear the testimony in the gospel uh, that somebody believed who has passed away and they respond and get saved because of the testimony of that loved one, because of the message that's done at that funeral, because of somebody dying and they are compelled that they need to deal with their own eternal destiny. And so in that sense, because of those who have passed away, and it happened in the book of Acts, Stephen is stoned who was impacted by Stephen's testimony? Paul, or Saul at the time, becomes the Apostle Paul. And so people's, people can be impacted by the death or even by the testimony of people who have died. And so these people got saved and then they followed in believer's baptism. And so that's what he's talking about in that idea. Yet you and I want to live in such a way that right now, would the way we live, it's going to impact people in the next generation or when we pass away or as a testimony. So what we want to be talking about is how do we respond? How do we respond to trials, troubles, tribulations? How do we act when there's a, a death in the family? What do we do so that we might be able to make a greater impact for the glory of Christ? And now in part of that, we need to do what Jesus did. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, Jesus was concerned about his family members and even at that moment, he took care of them and he provided for them. So we've been talking about this idea of what you may want to do. I want to, I want to adjust a couple things that I said last week or clarify that part of this planning ahead, uh, make sure you deal with this, and you could be doing this even at this point, is have somebody with power of attorney, and this could go beyond even or prior to even the idea of, okay, you're in a terminal situation, but if you're alone, if it's just two of you or limited family, have somebody that's appointed power of attorney in case you're incapacitated. But if your power of attorney, keep this in mind, this becomes a frequent problem. If you have power of attorney, it ceases when that person dies. Power of attorney does not continue. So if you appointed somebody to be power of attorney, and this frequently this happens, people will say, well, I can continue to be dealing with checks and signing checks. When the death occurs, the power of attorney stops, and it shifts to who gets the power then? the executor. So unless they're the same person, they have the documents, keep that in mind. Unless you're the same person, okay, keep that in mind, okay? Someone with medical power, having someone added to your bank account with some limitations. I mentioned last week that we had been recommended back in Minnesota by a lawyer that my dad have somebody else on the deed. Bob Fernsler, who works with the bank, said you may want to be careful with that because if there is any kind of a lawsuit against you or the parent, now all of a sudden because you have that, your name on that deed, that could become a problem for both parties. And then there's some inheritance uh, issues as far as taxes, things of that sort. So uh, check out, again, some states are different, some in instances are different. Check that out. And so that one I would have caution with that you would want to have more details and instructions. Setting up trust, determining who would be your executor of your estate. We made this comment that what you want to do is you want to even as young people, expose your family to this part of, of life. That is, don't, don't protect people in such a way that death is scary, death is something we never want to talk about, uh, even though it doesn't have to be our everyday conversation, but we want to we be preparing people. This is part of life. This happens. And so we've talked about a lot of these things. We said about having a death file. We've printed up a number of these papers and that we have put together a few years back, little booklets, that you could use, and I have several up here. You're welcome to take them. If we run out, just uh, drop a note in the office, send us an email, we'll send you a copy of it. But it's uh, information in a bound booklet that gives a lot of what we've talked about, a lot of this information that can be in one spot that you could hand to a family member, somebody that who is going to have that authority, and what you do then is they know where this is at. They have a roadmap to be able to handle your affairs. What age people should be doing this? What's that? What age group? Okay, basically all, 
all, okay? But if you have parents, some of you have uh, senior parents, help them, get them, encourage them to get some of that taken care of. That'll help you all out later on. We, um, we got into this conversation last time about pre-planning a funeral, and we gave several, several benefits to doing it that we talked about. You choose the funeral home. You choose how the disposition of your body. You choose the expenses. Caskets are expensive, all these different things. And it takes the pressure off your family. I can't tell you how helpful this is. Um, um, a number of us have sat down. We planned your service itself. We've talked through. And so if, there was a, if you, you pass away, I have in my file, some of you, exactly how we're going to do the service. That helps your family out immensely. Um, we ended up with this conversation. What about cremation? There is a trend that's growing more and more towards cremation. Years ago, it was preached against in a lot of churches, and that is because the instances in Scripture of disposing of the body, everything was, was typically resurrection in the burial, in the ground, Jesus Christ buried, and talking about it in that sense. And the only ones that burned typically in the Old Testament were people who were burning and making sacrifice to a false god. The conclusion, therefore, was burial, traditional burial in the ground and no, uh, no cremation uh, because it was associated with a pagan practice. My personal opinion, this is my personal opinion, I think it's personal choice. I don't think one is, one is evil and one is sinful. Um, there is some, some uh, real practical benefits for the family with cremation. Uh, let me just give you some of those, okay, in this sense. Central, this is based on, uh, on website information about Central PA. This is what a cremation uh, would cost, typically in this area, okay? And uh, that would include, you know, some of the things that we have listed here. It's much less um, expensive. It is, uh, for instance, once somebody's, how, how morbid do I want to get here? I, I want to be practical, be helpful to you. Once a person has been cremated and the cremains are there, uh, the funeral home's out of the picture because this isn't anything biologically dangerous or it has to be disposed of. And so you could do a service anytime. You don't need the funeral home anymore or the undertakers once you have that, you know, once the cremation has taken place. So you can eliminate some of those extra costs and things of that sort if you choose to do that. The typical funeral in this area that, uh, that has a variety of different expenses like the embalming, the casket, uh, the graveside, if you choose headstones, uh, the use of a facility, flowers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they vary. Now, if you really, really want to go the inexpensive way, in Pennsylvania you can do this. You can do a burial immediately without preparing or doing anything to the body within 24 hours. But that one you have to be really on top of and be ready and prepared. And wherever you're going to do the burial, they have to be able to do that in that period of time of 24 hours in Pennsylvania. Here is a basic breakdown of average costs of these things. Your basic services, embalming, and then the funeral home. And so you can just compare some of these things that by the time you start adding up your basic services, embalming, transportation, casket, uh, facility use, and then depending upon the cemetery. The cemetery is the ones who determine what you need for a vault. Some some cemeteries require nothing. Some cemeteries require a sealed vault. Some require just a, a vault that goes over the casket, nothing underneath. It all depends upon the cemetery. Some cemeteries in this area are extremely expensive because of their requirements, and others are more reasonable. Um, if you say, well, we're going to do, we're gonna do a, um, a cre cremation and we're going to bury just the cremains, uh, I don't know what the typical cost is right now, but two years ago when we dealt with that, it was $400 to open up a hole in the ground this deep to be able to put the cremains in. So, you know, I don't fault the cemeteries. They're businesses. You know, and this is part of their business. But there's a variety in costs. And if you take care of some of this ahead of time, what you can do in your pre-planning is you can pay for this ahead of time and make sure you read the contract. Okay, 
pray, you can pay ahead of time and then, or prepare in such a way that the life insurance policy that you have set aside for paying for it goes and it's taken care of. The funeral home will get that life insurance policy sent directly to them and then what they do is they use that to apply to all of the expenses and if there's anything left over then your, your uh, heirs get the rest of it. And so you can have that all prepared, all taken care of and they know they're going to get paid and there's no pressure on the family to do that. When I say be careful, careful of what you sign, there are different ways that different funeral homes have you pay for pre-planning. And so you want to make sure that, they're pay, that you're paying for one of a pre-planned program that if you're going to put the money out up front, have it so that you make sure that that is the entire cost. You see, some have it in their finer print that you pay but as time goes by, any additional costs or increases with inflation can still be added. Other of those contracts, what you pay, it's done. Does that make sense? And there's a big difference between that. We've had several families that went and they got there and they said everything was taken care of, everything was paid. It was paid, but as time went by, expenses went up and they owed that balance. And they were totally caught off guard. They were very upset. And it was, that's the way the contract was. And so if you're going to do the pre-planning and the pre-paying, make sure you have the type of contract that it's done and over with with what you pay. And as of just a year ago, funeral homes were still doing it that way. And it depended upon the funeral home. Um, but you want to check the contracts. And uh, it's, it's really difficult at times. And we've seen this happen where the family is there. We're, we're in the viewing and the family's visiting. And the funeral director came right up and said, hey, I need to see you in the office. And I need this money right now. Before we go with the service, I need you to pay the rest of this bill. I don't know about you, but in the middle of, a, of greeting relatives, I don't want to be dealing with a check and paying. But at the same time, the funeral home is doing their business, and this is what, what was agreed to. And so uh, you pre-plan, you can really prepare and take care of a lot of those details. You can choose the casket that somebody is not motivated by pressure or those types of things. You can choose. In Pennsylvania, you can do a lot of things. You can order your own casket online, by the way. Okay. You can even have an online service come and pick up the remains and cremate. Okay. There's, there's all kinds of options. And, uh, and so uh, Pennsylvania is kind of very loose. It's up to the communities to determine where the bodies are buried, but Pennsylvania is kind of fluid. So when you get the cremains, typically people want to spread them. They want to scatter the ashes. And it's usually depending upon the municipality as far as what rules they have. The U.S. Uh, government back in the early 2000s, late 90s, they, because of environmental concerns, they say you're supposed to scatter ashes, but you have to be, I think it's three miles offshore, uh, is what it was reading, and that was because of the EPA. It had nothing to do with anything else. Uh, so there's a variety of how you can handle those things. You can just keep the cremains as long as you want. You know, if that jar starts shaking... The rapture might be at hand. You know, they're going first. And so uh, there's a variety of things, but pre-planning, keep in mind a couple other things, okay? And um, here now we come and we're saying, okay, you've done some pre-planning. The funeral service is coming. Or you, we've sat down and we're going to plan a funeral service. This is really morbid. I know this isn't fun to talk about, but I want to explain it here so that when we do this, when we sit and talk face-to-face to plan, what are some of the rationale and reasonings for some of the things that we would recommend? Some churches say that the funeral service is really, really important because it is part of getting this person saved. And so what they do at the funeral service is very focused on the person who is deceased. Why? Because we're helping this person to get into heaven. I'm thinking in particular of the Catholic Church. The funeral is very important, the service itself, because whatever they do in the service, that's going to help reduce the time in purgatory according to their doctrine. But we all know there is no purgatory, yes? And then we all know that the Bible says that once a person passes away, they're either with the Lord or they're already in hell. Okay, there's, there's, there's none of this 
extra we can do for that person. They have to decide for themselves in their lifetime. But with that in mind, some churches think this and say this, that we can help people in their eternal destiny after they passed away. That's not true. And therefore, keep this in mind, that when you're planning a funeral service, the funeral service is for you. It's for the survivors. It's for the people who come. When, when, a, when, when I'll use our, our recent example. When my father passed away last month, he's, he's gone. The service we planned was not for my dad's sake. We didn't need a service for my dad's sake. My dad's in heaven. He doesn't need anything else. He's doing better than the rest of us. Okay. The service was not for my dad. The service was for us who survived. And so as you plan the service, you're planning it to say, okay, we're planning a service for those who will come. Now, right away, in my mind, and maybe I'm just being silly about it, but right away in my mind, I want to know if I'm going to have unsaved people there. Because if this service is going to be as a testimony, I want to make sure what happens at the service. The gospel is preached. Because what other time do people think more about their own their own mortality than when they're sitting in a funeral service. So let's take advantage of it, okay? Um, we, we follow up with this, okay? Consider the emotional benefit of using a funeral home. Okay, this isn't in every case, but think this through. If you have a funeral, and if for the, those of you of your family, think for all in your family. So you have a funeral, and you, we're going to do it here at church. You insist that we bring the casket right here at the front of the church, Okay, which I don't allow, personally. Here, as long as I'm the pastor, I'm not having a casket allowed up front. Okay, and there's a reason for it. Okay, and the reason is for you. Okay, so we have the casket up front. You're emotionally really, really, this is, this is hard. It's hard for you. This is hard for your kids. This is hard. And you have this, and this is traumatic. And you're looking, not at everything else that's happening, you're looking at the very front. And you're seeing the casket. What image may be in your mind the next time you come to worship? What's that? The casket? Could it be hard walking into this building? There's an emotional benefit to having another facility that you only visit once in a great while. And it's when you have a uh, funeral. You go there, and when's the next time you're going to go to that place? (laughs) <laughs> when, there's a, when there's a funeral, okay? And it helps out, and it doesn't create an emotional mental block. Some of you say, well, it may not be that way. Let me ask you a question. Have any of you, have any of you buried a loved one? You sang certain songs at that funeral service, and whenever those songs come up for the next weeks after that, it took you back to the funeral service. Did that happen to anybody? Okay. Okay, it happens. And so it doesn't mean we shouldn't sing. doesn't mean you can't use the church facility. But think it through what is easier and best as far as what's going to happen down the road. Um, the reason I don't want to casket in here is uh, just because of that emotional situation. So caskets are out there when we have viewings. And while we're doing this service... They usually take care of the casket, and let me explain a little bit more with that. Don't overextend the viewing times. This is, this is our personal experience. Back in Minnesota, and this is, it's, it's amazing how different communities do viewings differently. Have you ever seen that, noticed that? Okay. For instance, when we were upstate, we went up to a, um, uh, up in Scranton area years ago to one of the family members there, uh, one of their close relatives died, so we went up to go to the service because we had ministered to that individual when they were here for a short period. And up there in, in that service, it was traditional for that community at that time that everybody has to, has to, at the very end of the service, everybody has to come up once again and pass by the casket everybody in the room. And it was like, okay, we, we, we administered the person. We wanted to focus on the family. They were already, they had gone through. We wanted to step out, and the funeral director was adamant. Everybody has to go through and view. Uh, in our home community, when your dad passed away, uh, it was very traditional that you have an evening viewing 
followed by the next day viewing before you do the service. The evening viewing was five, four hours. The nighttime, view, the evening viewing, and then the next day I think was just a couple hours. That's a long time. That's a long time. And uh, so uh, those things, you know, you want to you think through. Close the casket before a service. The reason I highly, we highly recommend this is the closing of the casket, if you're familiar with this, is if you have a viewing. The viewing is there. And very traditional in this area is you come up and the family members, whoever takes a final viewing. And they're always going to ask you, do you want to cover? And the majority of people have no idea what the funeral home is asking. They're asking, do you want to cover means, do you want to take that blanket that they usually have about half body and pull it up and tuck them in? Like you're tucking somebody in for bed. And so when they ask you that, that's what they're referring to. And so they ask, do you want to cover? And uh, some will say yes and some will say no. Some, and there's no right or wrong with this. It's, it's what's best for you. And so some people will want to uh, touch, hug, kiss, whatever. This is an emotional moment. We know that they're with the Lord. But this is what we know them as. This is still how we relate to them. That this is them to our limited perspective. And so you know when you're standing there, this is the last time until we get to heaven that I'm going to see that person. And so then you go away. That's an emotionally hard time. If you're there next to a loved one, if you're there next to a friend, stay right by them. This is, this is hard. And they're, they're thinking about, I'm going to miss the touch. You help provide some touch. You provide some comfort that way. And so then they come, they come away, and it's hard. Now, the reason that we recommend doing that ahead of time is do that, get it taken care of, come on in, sit down, we'll do a service, the service will be uplifting, and we, you can stay uplifted for a while without having to walk out at the very last thing right after a service that's about heaven, and they're there, and then you have to go through that, for, I, I'm struggling with words, that downer of saying your final farewell. Does that make sense to you? Am I explaining it in a way that it is helpful to you? Okay, so close the casket before the service, if at all possible. Um, these are the hardest moments for many people, not everybody, okay? But during the funeral service, it's the first time you see, if you have a viewing, if you have the embalming and all, the first time you're going to see them. That's difficult, okay? Wherever you saw them last time, I don't know. But all of a sudden, now you're going to see them, and you see them in a casket. That's just, for a lot of people, that's kind of, uh, that's hard. Don't do it yourself, okay? If you have a parent or somebody, have somebody with them when they go through this moment. And typically, here's, if you're going to do all this, if you're going to have the embalming and you're going to have a viewing, get this done before the viewing, don't wait until you're, you're going to say, I'm going to come in just five minutes before it's open to everybody else. You plan with the funeral home. You come in ahead of time. And most of the funeral homes will allow you to do this. Come in a few hours ahead of time and do this part. This sounds morbid, but understand why I'm saying it. Is go in, make sure everything is okay. That you're satisfied with the job done and the preparation. It is dis disconcerting to people that when all of a sudden they come and they don't do a, a viewing ahead of time, they come and the part is on the wrong side. Or something is... For some, it doesn't make any difference. For others, it makes a difference. Okay, and then as well, it gives you the opportunity to have gone through that shock of seeing them in a casket without having to immediately turn around and greet people. It gives you some of that private moment. That's a hard time. Closing the casket, the final farewell is a hard time. Leaving the cemetery can be a difficult time. You're walking away. You're leaving them there. How are they going to do? Who's going to take care of them? Well, we've prayed and it's in the Lord's hands, but it's a hard time. The gap, we have, we're fortunate the gap is nearby. 
they do the most outstanding respectful services for the servicemen. You ever been there? Oh, they are great. They are great. But there's a certain time during that that can really shake people up. Anybody remember? The shooting of the rifles in salute. Because you're there and all of a sudden, boom. Oh, you, the folding of the flag you said? Oh, the flag always gets me. And they do such a nice job. And then they come up and they kneel down and their words are, uh, on behalf of the President of the United States and a grateful nation, we now present to you. And they usually put the shells in. To me, that's emotional. It's just they do such a beautiful service in respect to the servicemen. But the, the shooting usually sets people off. Okay? And then they play taps at the very end. Can you, do you always get a tear when taps are played? I do anyway. I, I, it's, just, it's an emotional time. Um, do, this, this to me is, is just fabulous. A family time afterwards. What I mean by that is just, and we, we provide this for you. For our church family, if you have a loved one that passes away, except for during the COVID era, otherwise we would say to you, can we provide a meal? At no cost to the family, we'll provide a meal for everybody after the service to get together and they can have some family time. People, people we love, we love the idea of being able to sit and talk and get some encouragement that way. And so a meal afterwards is really, really, really neat. Um, I've never seen this before when we were in Minnesota just a few weeks ago. I never saw a funeral home with a dining hall across the, the aisle. But, and it was just like, they have a what? They have a dining commons right across from where they did the service. You walk across the foyer, and it's, it's a dining commons where they do the meals. It just strikes me odd that a funeral home has a, a restaurant in it, okay? I looked for the Starbucks. It wasn't there, but they had everything else. But how clever, how clever of them to plan for that, that, you know, that they would make that as part of a, a service to the family, that they would do that. And uh, just, it's usually extremely beneficial. The trend right now seems to be doing memorial services, and, uh, and again, it's, it's all dependent upon the family. Uh, COVID threw everything in such a, such a lurch. But uh, there's different ways. The trending now, by the way, the trend is much more so cremation is happening, becoming more popular just because of the expenses. But always make sure the gospel is being presented. Okay, let's get a little bit more morbid. Let's be a little bit more practical because here's where some of you are going to be in the next few weeks, months. Okay, that you're going to have to say, okay, what happens? We're dealing with, we're on, we're we're dealing with hospice. We have them here. They're in our home. We have a loved one in our house, and we're t- providing care. And some of us are are around the clock doing the care. We talked about some of the things you could do to help, how you handle that. And all of a sudden, you come to the point that you've been on this death watch, and your loved one expires. What do you do at that moment? Thank God hospice has given you some preparation. When you sign up for hospice, they already want information from you. They want to know a funeral home. They want to have that information. And soon as, soon as they expire, things start happening. Again, Pennsylvania has laws that something has to happen within 24 hours with that body. And so things have to start processing quickly. So if you're at home and you're dealing with hospice, the people you want to call if this happens, if they're not present, you want to call the hospice. The hospice has it arranged with the county coroner that they can come in and they can do the pronouncement. And then they can take care of and get the ball rolling. If that doesn't happen, what you want to do is you can then contact others, and I'm going, to, you know, I'm, I'm going to make myself available for this. If it's happening, that we can be there. We will gladly come, and we will be there, and we will help to get the initial contact to things happening, like to the funeral home and things of that sort. And it's happened more than once that somebody has passed away, they hadn't chosen a funeral home, and we're deciding right at that moment, and I'm making phone calls for you to the funeral home, and that's fine. That's fine if you haven't prepared, and we can help you that way. You're going to want to contact immediate family, but, but I would caution how many people you contact, because what's everybody's question? When's the funeral? 
When's the funeral? They're going to want that information. So you're going to find that out in a very short order. Get support persons nearby for you as quickly as possible. Um, Contact the funeral home. When they come, there's a couple things you need to be aware of. When the funeral home comes, they're going to have to take care of taking care of your loved one's body. And so as they, they start taking care, I want you to be cautious of a couple things. Is one, people say, well, we want everybody to gather. And we're going to wait for somebody who's out of state because we want them to come and they want to be able to be in the house with that person who's expired and they're not going to be here for hours and hours and hours. Death is ugly. The body changes quickly. I, I, I'm, I'm sounding horrible. I know this is horrible, but please, please keep this in mind. The longer you wait for loved ones to gather, the uglier the, the death will become more apparent. The body changes. And it can become more dra- traumatic for people. And so what happens is you say, okay, we're going to gather. We've, we've had our few minutes here together with loved ones immediate. And then the funeral home is coming, whether through hospice, through us, or through the hospital, whatever. And they're going to come. And if it's at your home, what they need to do is they need to remove the body. They need to remove the body in a very practical, and they have to follow procedures that are set up for taking care of the body. So they're going to use equipment, they're going to use uh, devices, they're going to use containers, bag containers, to remove the body. You don't need to be watching them in that room doing that. You should, if you're wise for the rest of your relatives, you should say, let's all go in the kitchen and let them do their job. They will be cautious, they will be careful, but you don't need to be viewing that. It can be, it can be difficult. They need to take care of just cleaning up some things, okay? Um, and so it's, it's a hard time. It's a hard time. If you're there, get the loved ones to step out of the room. Get the people, and it'll be much wiser, much better for those individuals as they have to re- take, the, take the corpse out of the house. Um, the next 24 hours, here's what's going to happen that you're going to have. You're going to have, then, a meeting with the funeral director, and you're going to be doing it soon, Because if things haven't been pre-planned, they have within 24 hours to take care of how the disposition of the body, what process they're doing. So you're going to meet with the funeral home. You're going to be discussing these types of things, uh, the service, when is it going to happen, the dates and the times. If you're going to use the military and you're going to do a military service, the gap may dictate to you days. And the gap, by the way, is not always within two or three days. Okay, they could be a week out. And the longer out it gets, the more challenging it can be. But you're going to be discussing these things. And so it's a whole lot easier if somebody's prepared and pre-planned. Otherwise, you're going to have to go and meet with the funeral home. You're going to need information, by the way, about the, you know, even the parents and the maiden names and birth counties and things like that. All of it is needed. And so if you don't have that information about, you know, the relatives and get, get it prepared so make it a whole lot easier. You can go in, you can discuss these things and um, get some of that information. And so that's your meeting with the funeral home. This is what you're talking about. Um, if you're meeting with the funeral home and if you're going to do a viewing, you have clothing you have to take with you as well for what you want them to, to deal with. And then you're going to have to have some communication with clergy as far as is it possible to do a service on the day that the funeral home says they can and the gap says, does it work in the clergy's, the church? However you're doing that, does it work in their schedule? And so then you contact family, you're notifying them. If you used hospice, hospice is going to be showing up to de- take out the equipment the bed, the oxygen tanks. And they'll call you and they'll take care of those things. You're going to want to slow down in the process and make sure you do a little bit of eating. You're not going to be hungry. You're not going to want to eat. But those of you who are loved ones nearby, you're going to want them to make sure that they eat something. They drink something because of just the needs of your body without, without having other issues uh, come up. You want to spend time with your family, spending it time... Um, one of the beautiful things the funeral homes do anymore is they put the collages of pictures. 
They can tell somebody's life story through those videos. Yes, you know what I mean? One of the neat things to do is just take scrapbooks or pictures and then you're there. It might be the same day. It might be within the next day. And you're going through pictures and it's amazing how laughing over stories can be some healing and comforting and you're reflecting and you're remembering. And so that's a a good thing to be doing. Then what's going to happen in the next couple days after that, uh, you're going to go through the funeral events. You're going to start the process of dealing with lawyers, banks, uh, insurance people, and you're starting the process. You have a good funeral home, they are going to give you a guidance and assistance. They can even help you with the so, getting the Social Security going. Um, if, you, if you can, use their services. Because Social Security is like any other government bureaucracy. Challenging. Okay? And so you want to be moving that way. Determine what you're going to do. Now this, this um, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to make sure I put this next one. Sometimes families are gathered together and say, okay, what do we do with the mementos? What do we do? And you have, there's a decision that way. You don't have to decide clothing. You don't have to decide anything if you're not ready for that. You could wait for weeks, months. There's, not, there's no rush on this, but some of this is going to start taking place. Um, what we would highly recommend is don't make a major decision. All of a sudden you had somebody pass away and the next week you decide I'm going to sell the house. Uh, you may regret that. Don't make a major decision. Give yourself a little bit of time. And I know it's difficult. It's difficult to come back to church. It's difficult to go into the house. It's difficult to climb into bed. It's difficult to walk past their room. I understand all that. But at the same time, in this process, give it a little bit of time before you start making major decisions like selling a house. Now, you may sincerely regret that. What, do you ex- what can you expect from us as a, a church Here's what we should be doing. We're available. We'll be there. We'll help you plan the service. We'll share the gospel. Um, I don't, I don't want to eulogize. I don't want to eulogize people. Yes, can I say good things about you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And can we intertwine your testimony in a service? Absolutely. But I want to preach the gospel. What people need to hear is not, not just about how good you are, and that's good. That's, how, that's nice. But we want to transition that how great Jesus is. They need Christ. Because you're not coming back. You're not going to be able to carry them through. They need Christ who can give them comfort. They need Christ who gives them hope. They need Christ who is, who is the one for their own eternal destiny. We want to present Christ. Even at these moments. And so when you're talking with uh, myself, other staff, understand our goal is wanting to present Christ. And there's other things that can be done that are very nice, but please don't handcuff us to the point that you want to do all these other peripherals and there's no time to share Christ. This is for the living to prepare for their destiny and give them hope and help. And so in the service we can, we can talk about and, and having, having somebody share tributes are sweet, they're great, they're wonderful. They provide opportunities to transition. For me, the line that I have used in the last few years is this, after you have shared some tributes and talked about the person, even though I might know them and could share some things, then when it's my turn to get up, it's like you have just heard about this person's past. But let me tell you about their present. Let me tell you what they're doing right now. What a tr- neat transition into the gospel for a saved person. And it just works so well that you do, the, you do the tribute, you do the eulogizing, and let us present the gospel. As I said before, we'll provide a meal for the family, if, for those who are within our church family. We'll provide that as no expense to the funeral. We'll help get answers as best as we can. And I should add this, if I'm doing the service um, and you're going to meet with the funeral home, please don't, add, don't have them put any more financial burden on you. If I'm doing the service, do not pay an honorarium. Don't have them put that as part of the bill. You pay me already. This is my ministry to you. I don't want to get paid for doing funerals. That's me. 
Okay, um, and so a lot of you know that, and that's been the practice that we've tried. But it's very hard when I'm sitting in somebody's home and they just died, and I said, "You're going to meet with the funeral home." By the way, don't tell them to pay me. It's it's just one of those awkward things to be talking about at that moment. So you just keep that in mind. How does someone adjust to the loss of a loved one? Uh, all these different thoughts we've talked about. The second one, things are never going back to normal. They're not going back to normal. I don't mean to be a killjoy, but you've got a new normal. The, the life is going to change. Does that mean it is going to be too difficult? No, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common, and God will provide, and he won't, won't give something you're not able to bear. But it's going to be a whole new normal for you. Be patient. Time will be helpful. Focus on God's promises. Don't withdraw from society or family. Be careful not to get angry. Not to get angry at God, not to get angry at the person who is deceased. And it's really easy. None of you, are, none of you would think this, this happens, but if you have a loved one who didn't go to the doctor and didn't go to the doctor and didn't go to the doctor, and then they die. Weeks later, when you're doing the difficult stuff, it's easy to say, Donna, why didn't they go to the doctor? Why didn't they do that? And it's easy to get upset with them. And so it happens, and, and some of that happens without, without harboring the resentment and bitterness. Be very careful with that. Uh, it's, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to start entertaining new hobbies. There's nothing evil with you saying, hey, I've had this interest in, you know, okay, Deb passes away. Okay, a few weeks later, I have a new, new interest in saying, hey, I'm going to buy me a Harley and let my hair just flow, okay? There's nothing wrong with exploring new interests, things that might help you in adjustment, okay? Um, the rest of your family may be very concerned, okay? But there's limits here. But at the same time, um, keep on praying. Heaven will feel silent, okay? But keep on praying. Prepare for the many firsts. The first time you go to church, and they're not there. The first time you plant the garden, and they're not there planting it with you. The first time the flowers that they always planted bloom. The first vacation, the first anniversary, the first birthday, everyone is a hurdle. And by the way, this is extremely common for some of you going through it. You say it's been 10, 12, 15, 20 years. It's been just a few months, and I still find myself all of a sudden like a wave hits me, and I start crying. That's okay. You're not abnormal. That is, that is the way it works. Okay, it's like the waves going out and the waves coming back. They aren't like the tide that they're going to be regular. They're going to be irregular at times. But you're going to have those. And you're going to have them for weeks. You're going to have them for months. You're going to have them for years. That's okay. All of a sudden, you know, something weird will hit. All of a sudden, I didn't cry at my mother's funeral, but just a little bit, and all of a sudden, the Mother's Day that followed. That Mother's Day, and standing up here and reading something for Mother's Day was the first time in months that it really hit, that she's gone. That's okay. That's normal. That, that, those things aren't, you know, you're, you're not abnormal, and that's a process, and God is helping you through it. Nothing wrong. Spiritually, those of you going through it, make sure you do these things. Keep on ministering. Even if you don't feel like you're getting a whole lot out, keep on, keep on, keep on. Keep on praying. Keep on reading. Keep on uh, reaching out to others. And God will use it. I wanted to close with this. How do we minister to those individuals? Let me just run these quickly. Pray for them. When it happens, say little but listen a lot. You don't have to be the person that, that's going to get them over the hump. You, you don't have to be the one that says the most impacting, astounding thing. Um, you, know, you don't have to compare their loss of a spouse to your loss of a pet. Okay? Th that could be very troubling for them. Okay? So you be very, very cautious with these things. Um, and be careful. Just being there 
is really important. One person that I, that I was sharing with me here, this is just a couple years back, they said that somebody came and they were quoting scripture and quoting scripture and it was helpful. But then somebody else just came and sat and didn't say a word for over an hour and just sat there. Guess which one they said did the most ministering? The one who was there. The one who was just there. And just, and knew and had gone through it. The, do you remember what 2 Corinthians 1.4 says? We are comforted so that we may comfort others. Okay, do attend. Do attend, if, if at all possible, you're within the region. Attend the viewing. Get by the service. Your family members, you're helping them with these basic things. Be specific in your offers. Be specific to say, hey, I will go to the store for you. Let me pick up something. Um, it's easy to say if there's anything I can do, that, that's general and that's okay, but be more specific would, would often be, be much more beneficial. Send cards, let you know you're praying for them. By the way, the initial few days, what's the beauty? There's people all over. When does it really start getting hard? I mean, it's hard all the time. When does it really get difficult? When everybody else leaves and you're in the house alone. I mentioned this before. Do you know what it's like for some of the widows and widowers to always eat alone? That's why you should be inviting them to your house for a meal. Think it through. They have week after week after week of eating alone. Let them know you're praying for them. Visit them. Invite them out. We have these kind of, Give them time and space to mourn. It's okay. It's okay if, it's, if they're going to be struggling for an extended period of time. Help them through. But if it gets long and they can't be moving forward, then we need to intervene. Do not rebuke them for mourning. Okay? Jesus Christ wept. Do not press them into a major decision. You know, mom, you've got, you got to decide what you're going to do here with the car, mom. You've got to decide. We've got 24 hours to decide. Okay? Give some time. Remember them at the holidays or special days. In fact, remember them when it comes to birthdays and anniversaries. The, we've already mentioned some of these things. Encourage them to minister to others. It's too easy to sit in the house and to just let self-pity overwhelm. They need to minister to others as well. Remind, them, remind the others around them about the special upcoming days. I don't remember everybody's birthdays or anniversaries you know, all the time. You know, it's helpful if you know somebody who's had a loved one you know, to remind others of us about their loved one's birthday or anniversary. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you and then do what Christ did. Give them hope. Give them hope. Give them hope about the future.